So you don't think this guy sounds like you at all? Well, I wanted to make sure that there wasn't a bit happening on me first. You know, cause Do you think anybody could pull off a bit on you? I think you're way too online and way too aware to have something like that be pulled on you, though. So Ryan was the first person to bring it to my attention, and, and then Josh Black must have been in attendance as well. He said something, yeah. and I was like, all right, Appar- maybe there's something to uh- this. Apparently, Painter is moonlighting as the PA guy for the Birmingham Barons, which, <laughs> as far as jazz, I, I went to, I've been to a couple of Biscuits games recently, um, and it, I, my thought process has been, like, looking up there, like, in the press box, or, like, with their PA guy or their radio guy. Um, so that's got to be, that's, you talk about a relaxing job, I think. Like, there's a lot of hours you put in, you know? It's a lot of games. It's a long season. But I was thinking, like, there's worse jobs to have, man. That's low stakes. It's minor league baseball. Like, the people in there, sure, they're going to cheer for the home team. But, like, the people are, the, the players are there to, like, get better. Like, it's simply just, like, the results don't quite as ma- matter as much as, like, guys going out and, like, trying to put on a show and try to move up and get better. I don't know, man. Like, that, I've always liked minor league baseball. And I and I feel like I feel like minor league baseball PA guy would be definitely your vibe. Well, I appreciate that. That's a nice thing to say. I did some PA stuff, yeah, briefly for Auburn soccer and Auburn softball. So I do appreciate Susan Nunley for giving me that opportunity. Never got to do a Barons game though, huh? Might have to yeah. throw my ring in the hat. See how permanent of a job this man has. Yeah, I I I think you know parts unknown has. I know there's some there's some minor league teams around you. There's a, there's a few I, I know of. So I mean, like you could you could you could run in there see if you could, see if this could be a new sidekick for you. Because I think the thing is is you know people who are listening to this. You know, there's a, there's a good bit of you who like listened to us when we did radio together. Um, and like it's our, our our day ones, our our OGs, like who followed us to the to the podcast platform, to the Observer, and like. You guys out there are our favorites. Um, but, like, I'm sure there's uh, probably a decent number of people who are listening to this who never heard you on the radio. And, uh, you know, there is a difference between podcast painter and radio painter. Because, like, podcast painter is, is this kind of conversation. It's those, it's those smooth vocals. It's that laid-back style that you've come to know and love. But, painter, I think you're going to have to hit him with some radio painter right now. You're listening. I don't know what else. What else do I do here? Let's see. Uh, you would have the. What was the? We thing had a read. Do? We had a read that what was, was pretty, the read that we always hit. It was. Oh, can you do the sports update? You remember when you used to do those? When it would be that when you would record the like, here's what happened in sports today, and like this is Painter <laughs> Sharpless with ESPN 106.7. That's it. Yeah, I would remember also like you would record those and like we would be sitting in the studio during a commercial break and there would be one playing from like four days ago. <laughs> <laughs> that's not that's not right. <laughs> it's like you can you can watch the Braves play tonight in in Philadelphia and it's like, no you can't. <laughs> that already happened. Uh that's do, do you miss any of that? Do you miss any of that 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 style? I mean like uh, what, what your thoughts on the radio industry in general aside, you know, uh, but like that kind of that kind of life, because like you had, I mean, again, for those of you who don't know Painter during his radio days, like you were 
you were kind of running the ship for the whole sports operation over there. Certainly, we had our uh, we had our two hour segment. I really liked being around Bill and Dan. We had some really nice people in the office, and so it was a pleasure like to hang there. And we did hang out outside of work, so like it's I I tend to go into it with the mindset like you don't need to expect your coworkers to be your friends. That's not what everyone's there for. But if you can pick yeah, up a yeah, couple yeah. friends along the way, obviously that's nice. And then the interactions on the phone could be a little bit tiresome, but sometimes it, it, <laughs> if you didn't have a lot going on in the summer, having the callers yeah. could be helpful. Now, eventually, we kind of we I think we pretty much stopped we doing stopped. that. And part I, of that is because Bill and Dan were so good at it. Why would we try to yeah. do their show? Yeah, Bill and Dan, and then like yeah, Bill and Dan would have like the literal call-in show for for that network. And then of course our buddies over at Sports Call across town, they had their show that was really popular. We were in the middle of the day and like, uh, love you guys who called in and we're good. And, but it's like, what are you doing? Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Don't you have something else to do? And right then now? it allowed me to like hang around Auburn high football, which was, yeah, you know, fun. And like, you know, I met a number of people that, or, or even reacquainted myself with people. So like that kind of stuff was nice. Yeah. There was a lot about it. Uh, I did. I was working a second job a good bit. It's so like that could be kind of tough. Um, mm-hmm. So there's there's elements of it like anything. and now this is your second. Job. Yeah, but this <laughs> now this is <laughs> this is certainly different than working in a restaurant. Although again, I guess to the same point I made a moment ago, like I made a ton of friends through working at Amsterdam. Shout out Amsterdam. So my question is, how many friends do you think are you going to make when you become a PA announcer <laughs> for minor league baseball? Infinite. It's the Auburn Observer Podcast, the weekend edition. Justin Ferguson here in Auburn, Alabama. Painter Sharpless in Parts Unknown, and possibly the uh, the PA, the, the PA behind the Perhaps PA microphone at a, minor, at a minor league baseball game near you. What's up? Uh, I went to a pool party yesterday. We we had some volleyball, okay. and I was in the deep end. And as many of you know, not a tall guy, so that involved a lot of standing no. on my toes. And a lot of treading water, and my glutes, my calves a little bit, but boy, these glutes need a little bit of attention. They are, yeah, they the, are sore. Yeah, uh, yeah. I the the volleyball in the water. You know, I'm I'm only doing that if I'm like right up. I'm only playing volleyball too, like when I'm at the net, because I'm a taller I'm a taller person. I I have no use for like passing around and doing stuff like that because I'm just so bad. I'm a big at it. volleyball guy. That summer camp that I've referenced really? plenty of times. We played a lot of volleyball there. Yeah. Well. Uh, by the way, speaking of volleyball, I saw the other day Auburn volleyball. The the SEC like they don't have media days for volleyball, but they have like the 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 pole yeah. and the all SEC. That stuff's already out. Like soccer's like soccer. Auburn soccer starts in like a couple of weeks like it's 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 getting up here real yeah, quick pro sports are much um, are much think. bigger where i am now and uh it was interesting you know i heard people saying oh yeah next month we got preseason football there'll be football on you know and it's like to me preseason is not something i have ever particularly cared about but not even it like not even the bills uh it, well it's well, i guess if you're watching preseason football it either has to be a national broadcast or you're not watching it's also like it's a signal more of like i care about the games because you're not going to really get to watch mm-hmm, your right. best players so 
I got a, I got, I got in uh, one of the the fantasy leagues I'm in with a friend of ours uh, and former former work colleague of yours, Painter. Um, the big the big fan, fantasy league. I think you used to be a part of it before you moved. Um, yeah, it that that all kind of like came together this weekend. Like, hey, we got to get this going again. I'm like, Dad, gum. Like, you know, like people are already putting out like fantasy football advice and stuff like that. And I'm like. For some reason, my brain's still in May. I don't know why, but it but it is. But like, case in point, SEC Media Days this week. You know, you know. Well, I'll be in Atlanta on. I'm not going the whole week. Um, I'll get up there on Wednesday to get everything settled. Actually, I'm going Wednesday night. Wednesday night. I don't know when the fun thing is this year. My fun thing Wednesday night is that it just so happens that. Uh, AEW's oh, in Atlanta nice. the 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 night the week of media days. So as soon as we figured that out, we were like, "Well, we're just gonna go the night before, and then like be there, like basically like you know go hang out, you know, watch wrestling on Wednesday night, and then on Thursday morning, you know, I'll be already be in Atlanta. Don't have to get up and go to uh, make that drive. And because usually like some there's gonna be some people uh, that are there for all week of media. We did it all week media days once. It was 19, I believe. That was fun. It was a good time. I had fun yeah, doing that. It was the the end. I think I, we mentioned this recently. It was kind of depressing on the last day because so many people had left, and like, uh, but yeah, yeah. I don't know why I went to the worst thing about the week. It was a very nice week. It was a very nice week, but uh, yeah, we'll be there, and we'll talk about media days here on today's Remind show. Me real quick, a bit how, later. how are they rotating now between Birmingham and Atlanta? I I want to say. I might be making this up. All right, so I'm, I'm gonna go look it up. SEC Media Days locations. I want to I want to make sure that I have this right. Um, Are we going out to Dallas or something at some point, or is that also made up? So they're going to Nashville next year. That's the one that has been confirmed. I think they want to make it a, a traveling kind of thing. Atlanta got one. Atlanta did one in. Atlanta was what the 18 season, sounds right. Yeah, it was 18 because my literally my first day at the athletic was Auburn's day at SEC Media Days uh, that year. I remember that. Um, I think they're going to try to make it a rotating thing. For a while, I thought they were going to do like one of those things where it's like how it's like how the they have uh, Nashville has a deal with the SEC that like the men's basketball tournament has to be there every other year. And I think the women's basketball tournament's there on the other years, so like there always is going to be a tournament in Nashville. I think moving forward, I was wondering if like Hoover was going to like strong arm them into doing something like that. It's like, nope, you will go to the world's coldest hotel, and you will and you will stay there. Um, well, it's so great, but it looks like it is moving around. You know, that's not really how they're making this decision. Oh, but and Atlanta's super nice. Too, like yeah. I like, yeah, like people are coming to me. Like Atlanta's easier to get to, uh, obviously with the airport, but like. Yeah, there's people coming here from Missouri and Texas and, you know, the Kentucky crowd. That's not necessarily the shortest trip in the world. Like, it's a week. Like, I think we've been spoiled, though, because, like, for those of us who cover Auburn and Alabama, it's like an all-week thing. It's like a big thing that you get up and go to. And, like, for folks in state, it's like, yeah, we could drive over at some point. And then, like, with it being in Atlanta, it's, I mean, I can get to Atlanta quicker than I can get to Birmingham from, from where I live. So, um Anyway, we'll talk about many days here and preview Auburn uh, coming up because our next podcast won't be until after many days. We'll we'll talk about the schedule a little bit later. Uh, but uh, we are going to start off with a news story that 
came out last week and then was confirmed over the last couple of days uh, by Auburn. We didn't talk about this in our last podcast. By the way, our last podcast we did, our premium podcast from last week, if you haven't listened to it yet, check it out, auburnobserver.com. Sign up there. Um, I might unlock it like closer to the season. You know what? We might we might unlock it this week. I don't know. I'm feeling uh, people really enjoyed it. It seemed like, um, but Painter and I do a head to head draft where we pick an offense and a defense uh, from the roster and kind of go snake draft style. It's our way to talk through and preview the roster. Um, and uh, Painter beat me by a lot in this draft. Uh, the the fan vote uh, is like last time I checked, Painter, you were like above seventy percent. You kicked my teeth in, like I thought in this draft. So. We make fun of you about saying like you always say that you win and you never go back. Like no, you legit won this one. You you took me to you took me to task this time. We around, need to but, remember uh, to go back and check it at season's end, and okay. then we can yeah, see we because you know that. it is one of those things where all right, that's great. People might might feel some type of way now, uh, but we'll see after the the schedule unfolds. So we didn't talk about the the big news story for Auburn football last week. You know, in our premium podcast, we wanted to save it for this one, and that is the hire of Drew. I'm going to say Fabianich. Maybe it's Fabianich. I, I, you know, I don't, I don't want to get it too wrong, but uh, the new hire for uh, Auburn. Well, I'll just read from the press release: the Auburn football program is hiring longtime National Football League scout Drew Fabianich as its general manager and director of scouting and development. Auburn head coach Brian Hartson announced on Thursday. This was something that was reported earlier in the week. Uh, by several outlets. Uh, Auburn finally confirmed it on Thursday. Uh, he spent the last 18-plus years with the Dallas Cowboys, including the last 14, as a national scout for the organization. Um, brand new title, brand new um, role coming in. General managers in college football are nothing new. I don't know who the first one was. There was this guy, I think his name's like Austin Thomas. I, think I want to say that's right. Um like LSU and like Tennessee and like, like there was this like back and forth where he was like going around to, to spots. Like he was very, very coveted. Um, I believe that Patrick Suttis, who used to be on Malzahn staff here was the GM at Georgia tech. And now was at North Carolina. Uh, I believe this has become a really popular role, right? So you have your coaches, your football ops people, you have your, you know, administrative staff and all that. This is a this is a job that basically is reflective of the fact, and it's gotten even more so in the last few years, that you need a general man, you need a roster guy in college football, because a the rules are so crazy, right? <laughs> and and the movement and like you know for a while it was the counter stuff and eighty five man like it's it, that's gotten relaxed a little bit now, but you need to manage this roster, especially in the portal era where anybody can go in and anybody can go out and be eligible at any given time, at least once, you need somebody to manage your roster. And so this is this new move. General manager, like they have in football, like they have in pretty much every professional sport, baseball, basketball, all of them, um, there is a general manager, like someone who is the personnel guy uh, in terms of the you know roster and all that. And then the director of scouting uh, and development, uh, this is from Auburn directly. In his role with Auburn, Fabi- Fabianich will – God, I hope I get that right – Will utilize his uh, executive. <laughs> will utilize his extensive scouting background to bolster Auburn's identification and valuation of prospects. Quit using so many long words in here. I'm I'm not very smart. I'm a sports writer. 
while working with all phases of the Auburn football personnel and recruiting areas, he will also provide development support for current players utilizing his two decades of NFL experience. So basically it's like, hey, here's a guy who's going to help control the roster. And part of that is scouting and, and you know identifying talent. And look, recruiting rankings are good. We'll talk about recruiting rankings in a big way here in a moment. But like recruiting rankings are really good. They're great on a macro level. Um, and like coaches and teams use them. They reference them. Like the, I like I know that there are schools and there are coaches that look at recruiting re- reporters and look at rankings and be like, all right, who like you know who do you need to target? Like they they read that. They use those as as information. But they also do their own scouting, right? They also do their own work, their own legwork. There, I think part of the thing for Auburn and why I think this is such an interesting move, is you get somebody from the NFL, you get somebody with a background like the, I mean, I know that, I know they haven't won a Super Bowl in the stretch, but come on, it's the Dallas Cowboys. Like the team uh, in, in the NFL. He This man's worked for Jerry Jones for so long and like left on his own accord, which ought to tell you something about like, you know, how, how you know, his, his longevity and how good he is at his job. But doing scouting, like making those relationships, identifying um, talent, evaluating it. Uh, I think there was stuff in here that I've read uh, from other places about, yeah, not in the press release, but from other places about uh, he was he was the guy who pounded the table for Tony Romo when he was just a guy at the FCS level. Um, just a lot of evaluators. You know, his, his the press release came with quotes from Charles Davis and Jason Garrett and Dan Quinn and the and you know the USFL's executives like. So a lot, a lot of people that will will talk highly of him, but you've got to do your own evaluation. You got to do your own scouting, and that's got to be a big thing. Where you know, instead of this all just being on the coaches or all on on the recruiting staff, and all on, you know, it, it's a way to have. All right, here's somebody who's going to do a lot of this work and kind of help facilitate it. Because if you're a coach, you're obviously doing recruiting and coaching, and scouting. And if you're a recruiting person, there's so much emphasis that's got to be on visits and and you know uh all the you know graphics and the communications that they do there's all that so getting somebody to kind of do this specifically is big but also Painter, like i think this is the thing with him is that we know that auburn's mo whether your name is brian harson or your name is gus malzahn or your whoever the future coaches of auburn will be whenever that comes at this current state that we're in right now in college football, and it's kind of been like this historically, it's higher than lower, but this is kind of the peak moment of it right now. Your two biggest rivals get pretty much whoever they want in recruiting. You have never been that team. You've never been that team consistently, and you may never will be that team, right? It's just that's Auburn's area. So one of the things Auburn's got to do more so than some of these other places is I think identify and scout and find – hidden gems or guys that may be a little bit, and they've had good, I mean, I, Kevin Steele was great at this with defensive backs, right? You look at the, the three-star guys that they put in the NFL out of that defensive backfield. Um, there's always some of that, but to have a, a dedicated person to help do that is big because Auburn can't just snap their fingers and say, hey, we get whoever that we want. Instead, they're going to have to identify the right kind of guys, guys who fit the program, fit the systems, fit everything about it, and now you have somebody that just spent the last two decades, that was his job. 
and scouting is a cutthroat and, and, and player personnel in the NFL is a very cutthroat industry. If you're not good at it, you make the wrong moves. You don't have a job there for a while. This man was, this man was doing it for 20 years for one of the biggest names in sports, not just the NFL. The skeptic in me goes, why is someone leaving the NFL, though, as you say, and on I his think, own terms or on his own accord, I think is how you put it. Yeah, I. so here's the thing about that. And there's this really good story from our buddy Bennett Durando at The Advertiser you can read. Encourage everybody to check it out. Um, and Bennett's story was the one where about Romo. And there's a quote in there where he's talking about how, uh, yeah, uh, the quote was, I've been with the Cowboys 18 years, and when I looked at my Marriott account, I figured that I've spent 14 years in a hotel room. I needed a change. I needed a challenge. I needed to get out of that rut. Um, here's the thing. You see a guy leaving the NFL to come to college. This These these roles, these, these spots are becoming more and more popular. More and more big-time programs are getting these guys. But look, Auburn had, you know, Auburn got Nick Eason from the NFL, right? They got... Um, Ike Hilliard from the NFL. They have gotten guys that they were trying to get Austin Davis from the NFL. You know, one of the things and one of the the benefits from guys stepping back from the NFL to college is, one, usually you can make just as much, if not more, money coaching college ball. Because in the NFL, the players get paid the most, obviously, which should be the way it is everywhere, but we're in college. Um, that's, that's just how the system is. So coaches don't get quite as much in college. Money's got to go somewhere. Right. And so that's why coaches have these big, these big deals. And so a guy like I kill can make more money being an NFL, a college assistant coach doing the same job than he would at the NFL. It's just, can you accept that you're going to have to do recruiting? I think the thing there is, and, and like that quote kind of shows is NFL life is a grind, man. Everybody in there, for the most part, is 24-7, 365, sold out to football, 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 football. And there's a lot of that in college, but it's not quite as much, right? There's there's a little bit, like, there are some psychopaths when it comes to working, but, like, not as, like, NFL, everyone's like that. And it's just the grind. And, man, being 18 years on the road, like, those guys, like, if you spent 14 years, the equivalent of that much, in a hotel room, so you're on, always on the road. You're always doing that. I can see where it's like, hey, you need to put some roots down. You want to settle down. You don't want to – the grind is too much. And I think it's a little bit different where, you know, you're not coming from a coaching – because, like, if you step back from the NFL coaching to college coaching, it's like, well, now recruiting is the thing you have to do. Good luck. Have fun with that. But in this case, it's like, all right, I'm going to do some of the same stuff I was doing for an NFL team. I'm just going to do it for the college level. I'll have a home base. I'll have operations that I can work out of. And I'm not necessarily the one having to go scour, you know, country, you know, all over the country to go find these guys. I'm going to kind of, kind of be kind of the networking guy of it all and be kind of the, the GM, you know, and, and who knows, you know, who knows more about front office stuff and, and scouting than a guy who's done it for so long in the NFL. Conversely, the optimist in me, feels what you said at the end there, like someone who's got a ton of experience identifying talent that you think matches whatever it is your organization, your team values. And Auburn hadn't gotten a ton of great PR uh, this offseason, and I think this was pretty well received by people within the fan base, based on what I could tell, and also from a national level. I think people went A lot of national buzz about that one. 
Yeah, well, it's part of it. Like that. Like I believe it was um, Ian Rappaport was the one who broke the news because it was NFL. It was an NFL personnel move, and it's like a lot of NFL folks and nationally connected folks were like, "Man, this is a good move." You know, a lot of schools are going to be doing this. Auburn needed it, something like that. And I, and I think at a place like Auburn, when you're not necessarily snapping your fingers and getting every recruit that you want, this is even like I, the Alabamas and the Georgias and the Ohio States of the world. I don't know if they have guys exactly like this, but I'm sure they do or they're going to. But you uh, you need it to kind of get that edge. And when we talk about kind of with Brian Harson, for a guy who's never been in the NFL, who's never coached in the NFL, Brian Harson, I think, is very much kind of that NFL guy in terms of his, his approach and his and his mindset to it. And I think we've seen that in the guys that he he's hired. I think we see it in the way he runs his program. And so to get a guy from those ranks to come down, I think, makes a lot of sense. If if Alabama and Georgia and the Ohio States of the world and others, you know, other big time programs across the country, those three are the big ones far and away, but if they are basically prof- if they're NFL like teams with NFL like rosters in college, Auburn needs to find as many ways to kind of get to that level as, as they can, even if they're not going to be the the school that you know, has 105 stars in their classes. So I I think it's a really good move. We'll see how much it makes an impact. Like I think that's one of the things about this year, is like Auburn's got to have a good enough year, and people got to buy into Brian Harson, and the recruiting class has got to step up and do all that, so this will continue. Because I think the effects of this move, you know, might not be seen fully for for a couple years, maybe, and, and you know, until things get really settled, and you kind of see, okay, this is where the difference is. Like he's going to go to hard work now, and I'm sure. There'll be help to that, to this recruiting class, to this team, to, you know, developing guys for the next level. Because that's another part of it is just helping Auburn get more dudes ready for the league. Um, I think that the effect of it needs might not come truly until he gets a couple years, at least in this role. And everybody on the staff's got to make it that far, right? You know, that's just kind of the, that's just kind of the, the obvious thing about it. I'd be curious to know what the interview process was like, just as much as, Harson would have been interviewing him. I think it'd be the other way around, given what you just mentioned. If you're going to move from a job that you've been likely pretty secure in with Jerry Jones to a coach who's been, I guess, in some hot water seems like a fair way of putting it. Like, wouldn't you have some questions about what it is the 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 plan is to make sure that you're mm-hmm. still at Auburn yeah. in three five years if putting down your roots is important? Yeah. Now I I I agree. Like think you gotta you gotta buy into it if you're a guy like i kill you and you're leaving the nfl if you're leaving the steelers he was wide receiver coach of the steelers if you know anything about the steelers is that they're always going to have really good wide receivers here recently and and you know people get you got to buy into it right it's not just dudes that know brian harson and have coached with brian harson that are rallying around brian harson um so i think this is just kind of another example of that be very interesting to see what that impact looks like. But yeah, there's a lot of talk about evaluation, whether it's internally, externally. I think being able to manage the portal is going to be so huge that you, you just got to have, you got to have, there are stories about like Florida, you know, with, um, you know, with, with the new regime there, um, you know, there's a lot of talk has been there about like things kind of starting slow, but, if you didn't want them to start slow, 
you probably shouldn't have gotten a guy who was a Nick Saban disciple because it's the process, right? It's the build. You know, Nick Saban had a had a slow first year at Alabama. Kirby Smart had a slow first year at Georgia. Been a number of guys from that Saban tree that have not quite made it as head coaches before. And it's like, you gotta you gotta have patience. But one of the things that Florida's done there is that they have their their support staff number just like exploded in size. So there's a lot of that stuff kind of going on. Um, so I think yeah, it's just we talk about the increasing professionalization of the college game in terms of like you know with this whole super conference talk and you know the the emphasis on you know, NFL uh, evaluate NFL development and evaluation and um, you know how much how much that influences the game these days. I think this is another area of it uh, where you can kind of see that influence bleeding in, and I think stylistically some of what I think the trade-off is, is I think as the college game gets more professional-looking, NFL-looking, I think the NFL game gets a little bit more college-looking on the field when it comes to like how offenses and defenses operate. Um, as Andy Reid has often said, college is usually about five or ten years ahead of the NFL in terms of strategy, and I think we're seeing it now um, with the way the league's gone. So it'll be interesting. I think, it, like you said, though, PR-wise is a great move. Um, I think it's very much like the Hilliard hire where it's like, man, did can't really see a negative there, and uh, it's kind of a forward-thinking move. It's just a matter of, um, you know, how quickly does he make an impact, and how, you know, how long, how long does this uh, does this last? Because I think, you know, this is one of those pushes into a new sphere that, you know, there's no going back after this point for Auburn. Like this is this is just how business is going to be done from moving forward. And I think it's gonna I think it's gonna be very beneficial for for their roster. All right, Brian Harson. Speaking of Brian Hartson, speaking of recruiting, speaking of rosters, the other thing that happened in this past week uh, that caught a lot of people's attention is the blue chip ratio. Wrote about it in the uh, mailbag on Friday. So for those of you who are um, who read that, some of this might be a little bit repeated, but every podcast is somebody's first. Every year, maybe somebody's first year of, uh, or every year is maybe somebody's first year of following college football or recruiting or all that, but. The blue chip ratio is something that Bud Elliott, who is now at 24-7 Sports, uh, was at SB Nation for quite some time, um, developed where he found that if you are going to compete for a national championship, you have to have more than half of your roster, at least 50%, like above 50% of your roster has to be made up of blue chips, which are five stars and four stars. Now, there are different recruiting rankings and there are different spots. This is based off of the composite at 247 sports i know on three has their own composite now that they are a new figure in the uh in, in the recruiting game um i find both of those to be pretty pretty good and pretty even um so basically if you're a consensus four star or a consensus five star you need to have more of those on your roster than you have three stars and below to have a chance to win a, a national championship since the dawn of the internet recruiting era which is about around 2000 maybe a little bit later Every team that has won a national championship has been uh, above 50% of the blue chip ratio. There have been teams that have come close to overcoming it. Oregon being a team that has played for two national championships with that. I think there have been a, maybe one or two others that come to mind. 2010 Auburn is like one of the most mysterious ones because the recruiting rankings for all those guys aren't necessarily like the most thorough and, and trackable in the world. I believe the national championship that 
I think the first national championship Clemson had, they were very close to not being in it. Basically, the thought process, and I, and Bud Elliott has, has written about this in, in every one of his stories, is that eventually somebody's going to win without it. They're going to have just an insanely good quarterback and overcome a lot and catch fire, right? Um, it's harder and harder to see that now because teams like Alabama and Ohio State and Georgia are stockpiling talent. Teams like Texas A&M are <laughs> – I mean, I think A&M jumped all the way to fourth or fifth this year in blue-chip ratio alone. Anyway, you got to have it. You know, if you want to win a national championship, you need to be above that. It, this is something that has been pretty much rock solid for the last two decades. Auburn is in it. They are the last team in it, but they are still in it. Um, they are going backwards in it. That's the bad news in front. They are going backwards in it. Part of the reason they are going backwards in that is because the latest, so they're they're losing. So it's uh, basically basically it's, a, it's based on four years of high school and JUCO players. Transfers are not involved in it yet. Um, but I think they're going to try to figure out a way to do that at some point, but it's a rolling four year, four year count. So some of those really good Malzahn classes are getting dropped off and you're adding some of these recent classes. The 2021 recruiting class for Auburn was not very good. It was small. It was not very talent filled. It was this weird between year. The recruiting, uh, sanctions really hit Auburn hard because of like COVID. And then on top of that, Auburn was going through a transition. Now, last year, Auburn closed well. It wasn't a top 20. It ended up being 21, I think, 20, top 20 in some places. Wasn't a top 15, top 10 class, but there were more blue chips than there were non-blue chips. They just they just weren't, weren't as many. But it is going backwards. You are losing some of those big-name um, classes from the past of the Malzahn era. But Auburn's in it. At 54%, they're in it. Uh, Miami, Penn State, Michigan, Oregon – Florida, Notre Dame, Clemson, LSU, Texas, and then the big ones, Texas A&M, Oklahoma, Georgia, Ohio State, Alabama. So that is from that is from 15 to 1. Those are the teams that are in the blue chip ratio. Um, here's the thing. On paper, Auburn has enough talent to win a national championship. Now, that doesn't mean they're going to beat every team that doesn't have it. Upsets happen. They even say it in the blue chip ratio every year. This is not how you pick games, right? This is just... Who can you take seriously as a national championship contender? If things fall their way, if they if they get hot, who actually can make it? Who actually can get over the top? And those are the 15 teams that can do that. So basically it's like if you bet on anybody outside of this of this 15, you're probably wasting your money to win it all. You know? Cincinnati's a great example. Everybody loves Cincinnati. They were a darling last season. They got into the playoff. It's a great feel. Talent-wise, there's just a huge gap. Right, Alabama's eighty nine percent of their roster is made up of, of blue chips, eighty nine. So, if you're Auburn, be happy that you're still in the blue chip ratio because this is the baseline. This is the this is the bare minimum that you have to hit to be a national championship contender. Obviously, in twenty ten and twenty thirteen, and almost in twenty seventeen, Auburn proved that if you're in that spot, you can be in the hunt and you can beat the Alabamas and the Georgias and the A and M's and the LSU's of the world being in that spot. Auburn has proved that in the last decade. Their teams aren't always as good as those teams on paper. They rarely are in recruiting, but you can still beat them that way, but you got to get there. You got to get there to have that point. And for Auburn, the goal is stay above the blue chip ratio, have an awesome quarterback. You might win a, might win a championship that way. Again, they did it in 10. They almost did it in 13. They came close to, to getting in the playoff in 17. 
according to my calculations, Auburn's got to sign at least they can. All right, sorry, they can sign no more than three, three stars than blue chips in their 2023 class. That's just kind of how the math works there. So there's still some wiggle room, not a ton, but there's still some wiggle room. Transfer, transfers make this a big deal. Auburn lost a decent bid in the transfer portal. A lot of those guys in 2019 and 2020 classes are no longer at Auburn. So some key players that were really good recruits back then aren't around anymore. Still trying to figure all those things out. So on the field, they might not be a, you know, a, a, a strong blue chip ratio team, but that's where the background is. That's where the foundation is. Auburn has, all that Auburn has a, played almost, yeah, go ahead. almost every one of these teams like in the last – five-ish years that's in the grouping. There's a few exceptions, like Oklahoma. We, we didn't play them. It was back in 2016. Haven't played Texas and Notre Dame, you know. and Never right, played Notre that's, Dame. About to start playing Texas. Um, haven't played Michigan played since, what, like 2000-ish? But, you know, played Penn State, have played Clemson a lot. And then the funniest ones are 80, 80, 2001. Yeah, 2001 sounds right. 89% for Alabama, and then the 77 and 70 percent for georgia and a&m respectively boy they are loaded yeah that's what you're up against and so you got to continue to recruit to try to narrow that gap it's not impossible clemson won some when they weren't a top five team lsu won when they weren't a top five team in terms of the blue chip ratio i don't think uh, michigan you know made the playoff last year with it it's possible it's 100 percent possible to do it and i think for auburn is just, you got to continue to make sure you're in it and increase that knowing that you're not going to catch it. But this is where, like we were talking about earlier with the new hire, this is where development, this is where scouting, this is where, you know, out executing, out scheming, out like that's where it comes into play here for Auburn. Auburn's got to do more with less. Now, their less is still more than 120-something teams in college football, in major college football, but it's still less compared to your big rivals. That's Auburn operates in this space. Penn State, very similar, operates in this space where – Oh, our two two of our biggest rivals are monsters, and we have to we have to deal with that every year. Now, Michigan's a lot closer <laughs> than like Auburn has, you know. Auburn has two Ohio states they have to face each year, and Alabama and Georgia, um, and now A and M's trying to crawl crawl up to be one of those. Penn State's got one Ohio state, and then Michigan's you know uh, ahead, but not too far ahead. Um. But that's what makes that's what makes Auburn in this spot. And now you think about Oklahoma, Texas joining the league soon, and how that's going to look. Um, there, you know, there's just a lot. There's just a lot going on with that. But I think the thing here to keep in mind is that Auburn has an opportunity to stay in it. They have like all their all their recruits right now. They have committed. There's not very many of them. And again, I I said it recently. The only thing that's going to fix Auburn's recruiting and, and make them play catch up is the only thing that's going to fix this this coaching staff and this era and this tenure, which is win football games in the fall. If you do that, people will buy in. Again, you might not recruit like a machine, but you'll be heading in the right direction. They've got a little wiggle room left. Last season, they signed more blue chips than non blue chips, which was a good which was good for them. In the BCR, when you like next year, they'll next year they'll lose that 2019 class. That 2019 class had Owen and Bo, and like it was a really really highly rated class. So you're gonna have to manage your way around that. They have to have bigger classes, but that's the main thing. And I think there's this perception 
and 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 there's criticism. I think there's criticism is and the criticism is valid at this point because like, can Brian Harson and his staff can they recruit in the SEC at the level they need to consistently? They haven't done it yet, right? They're the only class full class that they've had was just small. This class is off to a slow start. If you have doubts, you have concerns, you have criticisms. Can't really argue with you there. But last year, that smaller class, more blue chips than non-blue chips. So they've got to continue to kind of push that forward. They gotta be they gotta be on that. Right now, four commitments, all four of them four star guys. That's a good spot to be in. You gotta continue to build up to that point. But I think that's the thing is that Auburn's going backwards in blue chip ratio. Their rivals are getting better, including AM, especially AM, getting better and better. The challenges are kind of laid out in front of you. And it's like you just gotta get more of these guys in. It's the same thing Malzon faced, the same thing Chiswick faced, it's the same thing that Tuberville faced. He's got to do it, and I would say more so the last two guys because the landscape in recruiting under Tupperville is nowhere near where it is now. It's just not even the same galaxy at this point, but still the same kind of thing where it's like you have to recruit at a really high level in order to survive, right, in order to have talent. And then if you have the right quarterback and if you have the right pieces and it all kind of clicks into place and you can you can out-execute, out-scheme, out-do, you know, 10, 13, 17, all had examples of that. You can do that. You can win. You can win big. It's just that these last couple of years, they haven't had that. It's going down. It's going backwards. And they've taken some tough losses in this, in the on and off the field uh, that have hurt them. And so, I mean, the challenges are laid bare, especially in a transfer portal era where the big name teams will lose talent. But, like, the Alabamas of the world will continue. Like, Alabama is one of the few teams that when you look at the B, at the blue-chip ratio, when you add transfers into it, that early kind of measurement they have, Alabama is one of the few teams that got better because they just pick off teams. They just go and say, oh, yes, we'll take you, Jameson Williams. Oh, yes, we'll take you, um, uh, the running back at Georgia Tech. This is going to be really uh, – J- Jameer Gibbs. Uh, like, we'll take you guys. Everybody else has to lose. <laughs> They're the only team. They're the only team that got better. And so it just that throws in another wrinkle into the whole picture. This feels like a very tactful way of you saying that it's very possible Auburn drops out of the blue chip ratio for the first time in a long time. It is. I don't know, though. Like, honestly, like I said, like they have the, the wiggle room this year is three more, right? They need to sign, they can't sign any more, three more three stars and four stars. And then last year they didn't sign. They didn't sign more three stars than they did blue chips. So, like, it's a very, very small class right now, but at least they've got guys that, like, if Auburn just starts taking a ton of dudes just to fill a class out, and, like, I'm not saying you can't get value out of three stars. You just don't want to have your the bulk of your roster made up of them, right? You'll take, you'll love to have the Roger McCreary's and the Jarquez Hunters and the, heck, Nick Marshalls of the world, like, to be your, to be on your team. Right, you'll take that. You'll love to have that. The Nick Fairleys, the you know those guys. You can get awesome players with three stars, but you don't want to have, you know, that's the whole thing. Recruiting is not an exact science. It works better in the macro than the than the micro. You can zoom in and say, oh well, this team was really, you know, this player was a five star, but he didn't work out. Right? Not to pick on, not to pick on the kid, but like Byron Cowart was a five star, he didn't work out. Calvin Asher was a five star, he didn't work out. Uh, recruiting, you know that's all that's overrated. It's like you can find, find examples of that, but in the macro, the teams that recruit the best are the only ones who have a chance to win a championship. Right? So 
yeah, like, do they have a chance? If they just, like, get to a point at the end of the class and they're like, they all there's left is three stars and they have to rack up on them, yeah, you could fall out of the blue chip ratio, and that would be tough. But they do have wiggle room, and at least, like, that's the thing about what I was trying to say earlier about the perceptions. Like, there's perception that's like, oh, well, they're not recruiting the right players. Whatever. It's like, the guys they got right now are pretty good. They're blue chips. So they got to get more of them, right? It can't just, you can't get these tiny clubs. You're not Clemson, right? You're not, when Clemson would sign 17 or 18 or 19 players in a class during that run that they had uh, in recruiting, it was like, okay, well, four of them were five stars and like, they were fine. They just, they picked their type of dudes and they knew that those guys weren't going to transfer there and will stay around forever. Auburn doesn't have that luxury. So I don't know. It's, it's interesting. It'll be something to keep track of. Uh, because Auburn's in a really weird spot when it comes to recruiting. Like I said, I, they might pick up some more guys here between now and the start of the season, a few, but like the bulk of this class is going to have to get done in the fall and in the early winter. And that story's not going to be told until, honestly, until they and, until they actually start winning and, and people can buy into what, what they're selling, whether it's recruits or fans or media or whatever. Like... There's a lot of doubts. There's a lot of doubters that have to be proven wrong here in the next few days. Or, I'm sorry, next few days. Next few months. In my response... Next few days is media days. <laughs> in my response a moment ago, I said Auburn could drop out of the uh, blue-chip ratio for the first time in a long time. Have they actually ever dropped out of it since this has been tracked? I don't think so. I don't think so. I'll have to, I'll have to go back and look deep, but... I because because after I said that I was like you know what I because it, it started sure. getting tracked it started getting tracked in the 2010s mm-hmm. the Ch- Chiswick's teams recruited well all Malzahn's teams like yeah in the Tupperville era they weren't at that but like yeah there was a bunch of reasons why <laughs> things weren't going well in recruiting then I think maybe we have to go all the way back to the Tupperville era before before we've had a t- an Auburn team that wasn't made up of more blue chips than non blue chips. Or, sorry, the other way around. <laughs> it is so being, funny to think about really... how Tommy Tuberville recruited versus how Gene Chizik and Gus Malzahn, and, but, and for for right, all of the criticisms you may have of Brian Harson, I assure you he is doing more on that front than... than and it was yeah, less was, like, was required at the time. So I don't, it, It's so funny, though, because it's like, Auburn's teams were never like Tuberville's team, especially toward the end, weren't ever really like known as like awesome recruiters. But like they had, they got Jason Campbell and Cadillac, and like they got, they got these elite recruits at one point in time. It's wild, man. It's and it, and it's like, I'm not saying they fell in their lap. Obviously, recruiting has to be done, and I'm not saying that Tuberville's him and his assistants didn't recruit because they obviously did, and some of them did really well. But it's like. You can't you can't kind of be like uh, have a laid back style and approach to recruiting these days and get a Jason Campbell or a Cadillac. Well, you, you can't. Cadillac will tell you that because Cadillac's doing it right now. <laughs> Cadillac's out there fighting everybody for guys like Jeremiah Cobb and Damari Austin and Tank Bigsby. And you mentioned but, this a moment ago, switching gears on you, but Alabama yeah. having eighty nine percent and Texas A and M having seventy, having. 70% of your roster before in five stars is so many. And that number looks kind of small compared to 89. They're it's, so much better than everyone else in raw talent. And like Georgia and Ohio state are getting there. Like they're cut, like it, they're becoming super teams, but like 
Yeah. Now, when Alabama t- – it's to the point where, like, whenever Alabama takes a three-star, it's like, okay, what did that kid have? Yeah, like, what's, you know, Josh Jacobs what, what's, or what's Mac he? Jones. It's like, huh, well, they got those right. Yeah, it's like, what What did you do, right? Like, what, 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 what did you – because, like, I'm, sh- I'm not saying all of them have hit, but I'm pretty sure most of the guys that have been um, – I'll say most of the guys that have been three stars at Alabama were like they did a roll or they were like diamonds in the rough. And then I said, and then I was about to say, or they were the, you know, relative of Bear Bryant, but Paul Tyson was a four star. So I wouldn't show how much I know. Um, all right. Uh, before we get to, I mean, that's gonna be a long episode. Um, we, uh, before we get to the rest of the episode, let's take care of some business first. Appreciate you guys listening to this. If you'd like more, if you'd like twice as much of the podcast uh, each week, you can subscribe to the Auburn Observer. $6 a month or $60 a year. Uh, got a few new subscribers this past week. Glad you guys are hopping on board. I think more and more people are kind of tuning in as we get closer to football season, talking season underway. Uh, you'll want to be a part of that. Just go to auburnobserver.com. $6 a month or $60 a year. Get you access to everything we do. You get two podcasts a week. This one and a bonus one just for subscribers that we send out our premium podcast in the middle of the week. Uh, this one this week, we'll probably do ours on Friday, maybe. We'll see. We'll see how all that works out. We'll get on scheduling. But, yeah, most likely will be Friday after Auburn goes through the Media Days circuit. Uh, and then you get all of our newsletters. Um, every one of our newsletters on Auburn football and men's basketball. I'm trying to give you insight, analysis, X's and O's, strategy, numbers, fun stuff that uh, hopefully you can't find find anywhere else. So you can get it. We email all of it to your email inbox. Uh, most weekday mornings at 6 a.m. Central Time, those will ramp up even more. They'll come more fast and frequently um, here as we get closer to football season. So sign up at The Observer. And uh, if you want to help us out uh, without paying any more money, I will say this, you can get a free trial of The Observer. It'll be a good week to do that uh, for, for seven days for free. You can sign up on the site. But if you want another free option to help us out, Painter, tell them. Rate, review, subscribe. It takes like 20 seconds. Uh, you can only uh, leave a review on Apple Podcasts, but we know you're doing it on Apple and Spotify where you can leave us a little five-star good guy uh, on Spotify. So please do. The amount of time I've been talking has been roughly 20 seconds. You could be done with it by now. You could be done with it right now. Just go, to, just go to the Apple Podcast app. If you have it, search the Auburn Observer. Click on the Auburn Observer. Scroll down to ratings and reviews. Tap five stars and write something nice. If you write something nice, we will read it on the air because we love you guys. And um, also, uh, we're very vain people. That's just it's just how we roll, man. That's that's just the that's just the uh, it's just the way we the way we go about things. Also, the way we go about things is. Uh, Man, home field apparel. That's our that's our thing. I wore uh, I wore that, one of my shirts just yesterday. Very comfy. I'm currently wearing my shirt, uh, one of my home favorite home field shirts. Uh, it is a shirt for uh, my buddy Jason Kirk's uh, Vacation Bible School podcast. It's comfortable. It looks good. And uh, home field's got a ton of shirts, more specifically for you guys listening, for Auburn. A lot of really good Auburn shirts, sweatshirts, hoodies. If you want to go ahead and get bundled up, pre-bundled up for the winter uh, and the fall, you can do that there at Homefield. You've got 
really good Auburn vintage Auburn designs. Um, you know, there's a 1957 national championship shirt. Uh, there's a couple of really old school basketball designs. There's some peacock uh, designs on there from last basketball season. Um, some good old Albies, the flying Eagle logos, a ton of great stuff at home field. Uh, and it's on the most comfortable t-shirts and sweatshirts and hoodies you're going to find anywhere on the planet. Trust me. Um, I was before they sponsored the show was a long time, uh, purchaser of home field apparel. And, um, yeah, I wear, I wear it all the time and, I want Auburn fans to feel exactly what I'm feeling right now. Don't so need pants when you apparel. wear home field apparel. You just need this shirt. Yes. It's like a yep. cozy little blanket. So the yes. Yes. You can go to homefieldapparel.com. Uh, they just did Big News Saturday recently. was Kansas State, who came in third uh, all time. In the I feel home, like they the, prepared. The I feel like they got on the message boards and were like, we're going to give so much money to home field apparel. Because I would not have, I would not have tabbed the Kansas State I fan base. I don't think either. it's that large of a fan base, frankly. No. Nope. Maybe they're more highly online nope. than I have been giving them credit for. Maybe so, um, but you can get all the Auburn stuff. If there's another school that you love, there's a chance that there's a home field shirt or hoodie or sweatshirt, uh, several of them actually, uh, that you can buy. Uh, and then if you just think the designs are cool, you can also do that. Homefieldapparel.com. You get a promo code, 15% off your first order at Homefield if you use the promo code OBSERVER. And uh, tell, tell the folks, tell the good brand that the Observer sent you. Uh, we love Connor and the gang up in Indy. I think, home, I think Big News Saturday's got one more week. I don't know who next is. Uh, but, uh, yeah, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll, see what, we'll see what they've got up their sleeve next. We appreciate homefieldapparel.com. All right. Where do we want to go from here? Um, I guess we can mention. Let's do a quick little basketball. Let's do quick, quick some quick basketball here. Um, summer league is come and gone for the most part. They're in the they're in the playoff stretch of it now. Uh, the Rockets are done. Um, Josh Christopher Josh Christopher got hurt halfway through summer league. And the Rockets had the had a couple of losses after that, but Jabari Smith finishes his five games. He averaged fourteen and a half points per game, nine nine and a half rebounds. Uh, he was start he was the starting center most of the time because uh, they had no center on their summer league team, and he was the biggest guy out there. Um, one point eight assists. Here's a big one: one point six steals, one point four blocks per game, including if you did not see the block he had Saturday night. It was, as I described uh, to Painter before he started recording, the old NBA street where you would hit the turbo block and you wouldn't only block it, but you took the ball with it as well. Just it, it's been called the block of summer league. I, I think I, I, I'd have a hard time finding one that was better than that. Jabari was awesome defensively. Not as great shooting the ball, thirty-seven percent from the field, twenty-five percent on from deep. That, not his best stretch of game shooting the ball. We saw a little bit of that from time to time at Auburn. But I thought he looked even better on defense in the G League or in the G League, in the Summer League than he did at times at Auburn. Uh, I think that's a part of his game that he's really, really emphasized. Rebounded like a madman. Uh, great start. Looks like Rockets fans, from what I can tell online, are very excited about Jabari. They're excited that they fell to him. Uh, he fell to them. Um, he'll get to play with guys like. 
Jalen Green coming up, who wasn't in there. Uh, Kevin Porter. Um, you know, Alperin Sengun is going to be a guy that a lot of people like at center for him. I'm interested to see what Jabari. I think Jabari will obviously shoot better in in you know the regular season or preseason and, and the regular season. Um, but every time I saw Jabari play in the summer league, these five games, every time I came across it, I just thought his defense was just rock solid. And man, I bet Bruce Pearl is somewhere smiling at how good one of his players looks on defense, like NBA ready defense from a guy at a time in summer league in Vegas, where like dudes are trying to get theirs and they're just trying to shoot as much as they can. And uh, this is a dude who is uh, playing unselfish basketball on the defensive end. So really good start. Uh, for Jabari Smith. He apparently called himself, uh, he said he was all defensive, ca- all NBA all-defensive team caliber from day one. So this man's going to take this that side of the floor very, very seriously. And uh, by golly, do the Houston Rockets need help on defense. So he's a really good, really good start for him. We did not see Walker Kessler in the summer league. The Jazz made the trade for him. They made it all official. They signed him. And then uh, last week it was revealed that he was not going to play in summer league because he injured his toe during a pre-draft workout um, and so was not able to play. Hopefully he'll be good to go for the preseason and the regular season. As it stands right now, as it stands right now, he might be it in terms of center uh, for the Jazz. We talked about that recently. Um, So they're going to really need him. The Jazz did not have a pick in this last draft. Kessler, by trading for him as part of the as part of the gigantic package for um, Rudy Gobert. That's it. I mean, he might be it. So hopefully Kessler can get back going. Uh, I think Jared Harper had some good games in summer league. I'll be interested to see where he ends up landing. Not a very good summer league for Sharif Cooper, it has to be said. He's in an interesting spot right now. I had a mailbag question recently about this. He's in a spot where, like, he's like the third point guard. Depending on how you feel about how Trey Young and DeJounte Murray are going to play together, and it's like both of those guys are kind of point guards, but they're going to be on the floor together a lot. They did get, uh, they did get one of the holidays to to come in as kind of the backup. There was talk internally. My buddy Chris Kirshner, who who covers the the Hawks at the Athletic, had reported that like the Hawks internally saw Sharif as a guy that could be a spark plug type of dude off the bench. They liked his shooting. They liked, they liked his offensive game where he came from. He had this weird stretch last year. We didn't really get very many minutes with the pro with the big league club. He didn't get as many minutes as people thought he would with the G league team because they had some guys kind of develop uh, during that time and catch fire at the guard spot. He's kind of it. This is not a, this was not a good summer league for him. Um, his numbers were rough. Uh, pretty much across the board. Um, I think he he barely played uh, down the stretch of the last game that they had. It's just hopefully it turns around for him. Um, things have not really gone his way. I mean, honestly, since he got out of high school, you think about not being eligible, and then when he was really playing well for Auburn, he gets hurt and he misses a year, and he goes pro, and people think he's a first rounder, and he falls in the second round, and the Hawks situation wasn't necessarily the best for him. In year one, I don't know, man. Uh, He's the one where you go, man. I get going to get your money, but I wish you yeah, had 100%. come back. Yeah, yeah. And again, I think when he made that decision, it was he, like he was it first was the best decision mod. for him. Yeah, pretty much across the board. And I think, 
By, oh, by the way, I just mentioned all these guys. JT Thor had a really good mm-hmm. uh, summer league. I keep seeing highlights of plenty from him uh, with the Hornets. Uh, shout out to JT as well. He had a really good one uh, right here. It's just, yeah, Sharif playing with I, I Jabari and Walker between the, the shot Jeez. making of Jabari and the pick and roll. Now, you know, I understand you can turn that on your head and go, well, you wouldn't have Wendell, and, and, but uh, <laughs> the that would have been a fun season. I have to imagine that. Yeah. There could have been some benefits yeah. to Sharif's pro and Wendell, career. And Wendell was and Wendell was so yeah. good last yeah. year for Auburn. Um, you know, can obviously everybody can be better. But like, yeah, just Sharif was just that stretch of games that he played for Auburn. It was just he was he was just a, he was a special he was a special special player. Um, I just hope it works. Out. I know there are quite a few. Well, not quite. A, eh, yeah, probably quite a few. That honestly. Who, if you have an NBA team and you're listening to this, just because of where we are regionally, you might be a Hawks fan. You probably are a Hawks fan or care about the Hawks or like, or just want to see Sharif succeed. And it's like, I mean, hopefully it works out. Ho- hopefully it works out. Maybe it's just a, this kind of anomaly of a summer league. I'll be interested to see where the Hawks kind of view him and where he goes preseason. They have him on a, you know, he was an RFA this year. He's supposed to come back on another two-way deal. Um. I don't know, man. Just I guess just as a guy who covered him for a short amount of time and and like just loves his game, um, you know. Hopefully, hopefully things will kind of fall into place for him because it has been a rough last couple of uh, it's probably been a rough eighteen months or so for for Shreve Cooper when it comes to basketball. Um, but yeah, J C Thor having a really good run. Be interesting to see where where uh, where Jared ends up in the uh, in the NBA this year and kind of what a team views him. So, yeah, it's a busier summer league than usual for Auburn. And uh, I think I think Auburn fans who got to tune in to a little summer league this year, I uh, hope, hope you enjoyed it. And I hope I hope you'll uh, see a lot more of it for years to come because I think Auburn's going to be putting a lot more of those guys in here in the near future. Folks, we love having NBA players on our team. It's, 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 it's a whole lot. It's a, it's a whole lot better than the alternative, I, I can tell you that. I know people right. are getting uh, their shots in. I just want to, you know, curious to see what happens with J.D. Davison. I think from 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 what I can see online, I have not followed him, so I don't know. But I think he had a nice little summer league run. And more and more people uh, are yeah. saying that Nate Oates just doesn't know how to use his talent. You're hearing it more and more. <laughs> I'll say this, though, about J.D. Davison. Like, personally, as a guy who played... As a guy from Alabama, <laughs> I was just gonna say I hope he does well, man. I, I I like it when people from the state are good at basketball, right? Like it's, you know, Alabama doesn't really have a whole lot of uh, recent NBA talent. Herb Jones is kind of carrying the banner right now since uh, since uh, since Boogie Cousins is not at not at the the peak level yet. You know, Charles Barkley, shout out to Charles always and forever. Um, you know, he he held it down for us for a while. It's just I, hopefully, hope hopefully it works out for him. My whole thing with him was just it's like he's got he's got to shoot the ball. Yeah, there's a bunch it's of good athletes be, in the NBA. Yeah, they're all they're all pretty good. <laughs> there's a lot of really good athletes in the NBA, and then there's like that one dude who used to play for the Clippers who looked like he that, that European point guard who like. He he reminded me so much of like Zlatan, like late career Zlatan in the MLS, or like those like 
like Francesco Totti in, in Italy where it was just like, I am 38 years old. I do not want to run. I'm going to stand completely still and just throw the most crazy passes I can because I'm not going to run, but I'm still good enough at this one thing to succeed. Respect it's finding like, a niche that hardcore that allows you so to be good. lackadaisical. And it's so hard to find that in basketball. Like you can find guys in football that do that. You can find guys in baseball that are just like, I'm not very athletic, but but one out of every four times I go to the play, I hit the ball really hard, and and everyone seems to like it. Um, yeah, basketball's really hard to pull that off. And you know, shout out, yeah, but that's the thing. I was like, there's so many good athletes in the NBA, and it's it's hard to get by on just your athleticism at that size. You can get by on just your athleticism when you're seven one or six ten or you know something like that. But yeah, so hopefully hopefully it all works out for for those guys. That was you know. Everyone, I want everyone to succeed. That's my thing. I don't Berg want young not players a hater. to be bad. Berg's at all. not a hater. I no, saw Skip a Bayless hater. hating I, on LeBron James this morning so hard. That really? I, I ha- oh, beautiful. Could you believe? It was so funny. I mean, to hate on someone that hard is an art form. The man has for no LeBron, career. For LeBron, who's going to go down as one of the best to ever play basketball, period. And it's like... Yeah, man, it gets attention, I guess. Good for you. Good for you. I'm not, I'm not that's not my life. All right, before we go, um let's talk media days here real quick. Uh if you don't know, Auburn is sending, of course, Brian Harson. Um John Samuel Shanker, Tank Bigsby, and Derek Hall will be uh in the Media Day circus on Thursday. Auburn, I believe, is the first team to go on Thursday. They'll be there in Atlanta at the College Football Hall of Fame. We'll have coverage. We'll be you know, I'll be there. I'll have a newsletter from there on Thursday afternoon if you want to uh, check that out. We'll have a podcast kind of from what we learned later in the week. Um, I'm going to have an earpiece really, in. Ferg's going yeah. to Skype me. Ben, I'm really interested to in seeing what this is going to look like for Brian Harson and, and, and like what it has been so – we have been so far removed time-wise from what happened earlier this year with Brian Harson that it's like, it feels like 90 news cycles have happened since then. Like the focus is going to be either conference realignment or Jimbo versus Saban or some combination of, of factors there. Right. NIL other junk. But when Auburn goes up to the plate, it's going to come back and it's going to come back pretty hard. And I wrote about this, you can check it out on two. It's the Tuesday newsletter. So by the time you're listening to this, it'll be tomorrow's newsletter. If you subscribe, you'll get it. There's a chance that on Friday, when they release the predicted order of finish in the all SEC teams, there's a chance Auburn's going to be picked to finish last in the SEC West. There are several preseason magazines and national sites and all that that have Auburn like that in their power rankings. I would find it hard to believe that they get picked fifth. I think sixth or seventh is pretty much where they're going to be. Even though Auburn beat Arkansas and Ole Miss and LSU last season, those teams have more buzz. They have more coming back. They have, you know, they they just have more, I guess, good vibes, I guess, around them at this point. Um, State's really going to be the only team that people will have kind of quarrel with back and forth. I think people will remember Will Rogers. I think they'll remember what happened to Auburn against Mississippi State, and I think this is where it's going to lean. Like, like we can talk like locally and internally about how 
Auburn has managed after what after the internal investigation, what they're doing, how this has kind of been like an all hands on deck type of thing for Auburn and us against the world rallying around some of the good moves that they've made to this point. But the fact of the matter is, you got major question marks. The schedule got tougher. And there's a lot of people who are going to be in there in Atlanta, and there's a lot of people nationally who don't think Brian Harson has a prayer this year, and they don't think Auburn has a chance to be better. And that's what they're going to be competing against. And so the newsletter on Tuesday, I won't give it all away here, but Auburn's going to be picked to finish pretty low in the West. Historically, it's not a bad sign. It's not usually a bad sign. And you can dig into a little bit more of that. But I do wonder how Auburn's going to be perceived, where they're going to be voted, and what the reaction is going to be like that in turn. Do they care? Do they use it as motivation? There's some guys on this football team that will tweet when there's low predictions about them. And they'll say, hey, we're ready to prove them wrong. You know, I've seen interviews. I've seen quotes from guys on this team, including some, like I would imagine Derek Hall and John Samuel Shanker and probably even Tank Bigsby as well, knowing them and their personalities. They're going to be like, no one believes in us. We love it. That's going to be kind of their vibe. And like, yeah, that's going to have to be that kind of point. And the criticisms of Auburn and the concerns of Auburn are valid. I think some of them are overblown. I think some of them are a little bit too far. I think a team that's got Tank Bigsby and a defense that returns a good bit of talent, especially up front, I think it's hard for me to think that team's going to bottom out as much as you think quarterback play and passing game, wide receivers and all that, all that, how how important all that is. And it is. It's huge. But I, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm really interested in seeing how this team reacts to what is coming. And it's, again, it's media folks. It's people, it's dorks like me and dorks like Painter and everybody else in the Southeast and beyond asking questions, right? This isn't tough, you know? This is the easiest thing they'll do all year, right? But I want to know how they react to it. I, I want to know what, what the vibes are going to be because I think it's going to be like, all right, bring it on. We're using it as motivation, but like, it's going to come pretty quick and quick and heavy, I think, on Thursday and, fr- and then Friday whenever the things are released. I'm curious to see if there's an opportunity to ask Brian Harson any tough questions and if the opportunity <laughs> arises and the questions are asked, what sort of hand he shows us, which is part of what you're saying. Look, the tough questions that Harson got from the local media, from us, for those in Auburn, that happened in March. That happened in the spring. There's there's a lot of folks down there regionally and national folks and people who cover other teams. They, they'll get asked those questions themselves. I think locally, you know, sure, there'll be some questions about like, hey, what's going on with recruiting? Hey, you know, what about this or that? But people are going to point to what happened earlier this year. They're going to point to the coordinators leaving. They're going to point to Bo Nix leaving. They're going to point to the schedule. They're going to point to all these things and say, all right, well, basically, there's not a whole lot of faith in you guys this year. Care to comment? <laughs> like, it's kind of, I think there's going to be a lot of that to it. Um, now, I'm interested to, see, to hear what those players have to say about, like, guys on the team, how the summer's gone, what we've learned since, since the spring. There's going to be time for that. There's going to be a lot of that for, those of us who cover this team all the time. But over the last few months, 
what happened to Brian Harson earlier this year and what happened with Auburn and the chaos that ensued during those couple of weeks. I'm not saying it went away. The specter is still there. The situation is still what it is. But for a lot of us who who are here, that's kind of the questions have been asked, the answers have been given, and for the most part it's been settled and it's just moving on. For a lot of this crowd that's going to be in Atlanta, they're going to get their wax at the piñata now. <laughs> and like what what how does Auburn react when it comes all up again? It's going to be fascinating to watch. The beautiful boys. Yeah, because they're not going to get the players aren't going to get probably the same opportunity to filibuster uh, that no. that Harson might, or maybe they don't feel comfortable doing it. But I I expect Harson, as he often does, to have a pretty long winded opening statement that doesn't allow a whole lot of room for prickly questions. Had over two thousand words in his opening statement last year at the main stage, and got three questions. I think we're going to see a, a repeat. And I don't think he's going to be ducking anybody. And I don't think he's going to be like, oh, this is playing. No, no, the man did it last year when everything was good. When it was year one. When it was, hey, let's get it started type of vibes. He's just going to do it again because that's just how he is as a coach. And again, people will complain about that and complain about how he is answering questions media. I, I'm of the opinion that like media people complain way too much for what their jobs are, like we do. And I, I'm guilty of that a lot. Um, I'll also say about Brian Harson, his long winded answers. If you're the one asking the question and you get what you want, the long winded answers can be very, very beneficial to you. So yeah, you gotta know how to play the game. You, know, you gotta know what buttons to hit. So we will be, uh, we'll be back later in the week for those of you, your subscribers will have uh, our recap and we'll do a podcast from media days. Like I said, we'll have a newsletter, the Tuesday newsletter, We'll definitely have one on Thursday afternoon. TBD on what happens on Wednesday will be on. Uh, I'll, I will be uh, on the way to Atlanta. Uh, we'll see what kind of the the plan is, but we'll have a ton of stuff coming off of that. And shoot, we're a couple of weeks away from fall camp. Like it's it's getting here. It's getting here, and so I'm I'm looking forward to it. If you read uh, some of the newsletter, especially the scheduling newsletter last week about opponents Auburn's never played before, uh, I can tell you I. Uh, I used the last bullet in my offseason gun. I am ready for I'm ready for stuff Quotes. to happen again. I this has been a good this has been a good offseason for content. And I hate using that word so you know how much this how much I mean it if I'm saying a word I hate. It's been a good offseason to keep talking and writing about stuff. I haven't had a shortage of things. It's kind of starting to run dry and I'm ready for I'm ready for something new. So media days will be media days will what? be good. Do Alabama and Texas A&M go on the same day? No, Auburn goes on the same day. That Dang, A&M that goes, would just be so nice. I, it would have been great, but there's no way it was going to happen because we can't have nice things. Right, right. No, they, yeah, they would never. I mean, it, didn't Sankey tell everyone never. to not talk about it? And I bet Lane Kiffin was like, "Are <laughs> you kidding? This is this is yeah, why you have me in the league. I'm going to leave Ole Miss as like, soon as I can. Take advantage of this." It's the um, it's the drill tweet where it's like two of my sons are killing each other. Hey, you two, quit it. Knock it off. That's <laughs> what I'm hoping for. Auburn, Tennessee, and A&M go. So Auburn kicks it off at 9 o'clock on Thursday. Alabama goes on Tuesday morning. They, they plan this so well, man. They plan this so well. Tuesday, it's Alabama and Vanderbilt in the same session. 
So Vandy just gets to kind of just get shuffled in there at that point. And then in the afternoon, when people are still talking about Alabama, they throw out Mississippi State and South Carolina. <laughs> it's just elite planning. And then on Monday, the opening is Sankey, and then it's Brian Kelly <laughs> in LSU. It's like, ah, let's – hey, remember this? Remember this, Jock? Remember how weird this stuff is? I hope he tries to do another joke. Accent. I need an accent. I need him to do an accent. I want someone to ask right. him about the accent. Why did yes. you do that? Well, actually, okay. Did you think that I, people were going that. to find that endearing? Why are you so, such a freak? On Monday, again, I'm not going to be there on Monday, so I need somebody to do this for me. Sankey's going to get up there, and everybody's going to ask him about realignment and schedule. He's not going to say money, anything and NIL. <laughs> and he's going to do what conference commissioners do and be boring. But more importantly, someone in that room better ask Greg Sankey about the song from Friday with the country man, with the Applebee's dude. And it's so distinct. I didn't know what that guy's name was, but I did know it was that guy as soon as I heard (laughs) the first six seconds. And it's like, that's the beauty of this becoming so corporatized that a lot of resources and time probably went into making that complete atrocity. And and the SEC thought they had it, man. They had this. They were beating their chest. And it's like, and it's like, oh, and shout out to Pablo. Pablo was the first one I saw to, to, to tweet it. And then it was just, it was a pile on from there. And it's like, we did it. We did it. We ratioed him enough to get him to delete the tweet. But that song is so bad. And there must be accountability. There must be accountability. We must we must speak truth to power. We must hold those in charge. To a bunch task. of people signed off on that. Probably, almost and Greg, certainly, and including I, I, Greg I want Sankey. it to go all the way to the top. I want it to go all the way to the top. I want Greg Sankey to have to atone. I want him to make a statement on what happened. I want him to answer for the crime that was committed to all of us. On so They tried to sneak it in there on a Friday afternoon, too. You notice that. As well, this wasn't like Monday morning at SEC Media Days when everybody was paying attention. No, it was, <laughs> it was, it was. Oh, this song's great, isn't it? Everyone's happy about it, right? And it's like uh, two o'clock on a Friday afternoon. Surely everyone won't revolt against this. And it's like, man, the internet will get your tail at any With moment. With all you the culture out. of the Southeast, of all the things you That's could have done thing. with your That's music, again, that was where you went. That's the thing. If you like country music, hey, it's not for me, but most of my music's not for a lot of people either. But if you like country music, that's great. That's fine. You know, there's some good there's country no music There's no shortage out there. of good country music artists in that part of the country. Yeah. And you go with this country rap, like it's just it's 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 music that sounds sounds like it was created by an AI bot. Like it it was like some program was like, "What would work here? It's like country country rep you know truck football church man like it's like okay dude <laughs> like, this is oh man no they they have to there there has to be accountability there has to be accountability greg sankey hey, <laughs> you better say something you i don't even you want to ask the, the trivia question you've made me so angry okay well that's it that's it greg sankey you have made us so angry we're not even having a trivia question to end this episode. The episode's just over. Painter's going to play a little song right here, and it's not going to be that song. And you're going to have to sit here and think about what you just did. Mm-hmm.